See? We're sitting down here, ready to negotiate. <laughs> You've already given up your shit. I'm still a mystery to you. But I know exactly where your white ass is coming from. See, if I ask if you want some dinner, and you grab the egg roll and start to try down, I said to myself, this motherfucker, he's carrying on like he ain't got a care in the world, and who knows? Maybe he don't. Now for something completely different. I'm pathetic. Dude. <laughs> Yes, Hachu, I just come in. I have come here to chew bubblegum and scratch off left hand. It's an inanimate fucking object. You're an inanimate fucking object! I drink your milkshake! I drink it up! Oh boy, do I drink it up. Uh, hey everybody, welcome to uh, uh, last episode. Did I see it's that? It's only an episode. Did I see that in the uh, in that, that thing? That's cool. Hey, well, hey, welcome to the last episode of The Real Boys. It's been a wild, bumpy journey. Um, and uh, and we're here. And to me, we finished on a, a good one. Uh, if you don't know what the real boys are, it was a collective uh, of weirdos that don't show up to things. Uh, we gave them all a challenge, which was give us your five favorite movies, make sure they're pieces of shit, and then don't talk to us ever again. They, <laughs> they accepted with flying colors. Uh, so uh, we were talking about some movies. Uh, I dipped out for a little bit. Things this happened. Is, who this is going to be an interesting little like retrospective for anybody who finds this in like three years and goes through it. In, like, the, in the wasteland, they come across like a hard drive full of like weird podcasts people found, yeah. and they're like, "Huh, something happened to these guys." Don't yeah. worry about it. We'll <laughs> talk about it. We'll talk about it. And I will say, although not a functional arc, there is a three arc structure for the real boys. <laughs> the first arc, which was like most of us hanging out and doing the thing the way we yeah. wanted to. Uh, the second arc, or the middle arc, when it was just you two, and then occasionally Jerry, uh, or sometimes just Dylan, I think. Um, but no, I, think oh, no, I was never going to do this show no. by myself. Yeah, no, that's fair. It was always the you. two of us. Those were, yeah. I think, those were the best episodes. I agree. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're the only ones that I listen to. Uh, and then the third one, which is uh, three of us kind of angry about. <laughs> wanting to do this for some two, reason two um, of us are angry <laughs> yeah i guess i'm not very angry about it. i'm not angry uh, that's fair. no <laughs> so what he's not angry i think you're uh -oh. the one who's the most angry about it <laughs> i'm not I, i'm like fake angry because i like making fun of people especially yeah. uh you know canadians that who will not be named uh thems who justin not, trudeau they they's who will not be named his velvety uh, hair that's true yeah and also ryan reynolds um but anyway, what we did was we started reviewing a whole bunch of movies, uh, some of which were bad, uh, others uh, real bad, and some are fine. Uh, a couple were very good. <laughs> but uh, this is episode 68 of The Real Boys. Uh, now, this isn't the last one. Uh, just so you guys know, uh, and if, if you're in the comments, if you're watching this anywhere, uh, let us know uh, how many more we should not do, uh, because the answer is probably one. Um, but anyway... We're going to do one more episode, uh, and that is just like a, a retrospective, really just figuring out what happened. Uh, were we supposed to get in line for this ride? Were we supposed to keep our hands and feet inside at all times? Uh, but here we are. We're at the end. So whatever. Uh, either way, 
68 episodes, including this one. Now, this one is my favorite movie. Now, about a movie. Talk, uh, it'd be like angry at Mike's. Uh, oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, my, my yeah hair, I, I actually, Mike's hair does suck at all times. I actually do, I, I've done comb overs and it's a kind of funny. Yeah, <laughs> I do uh, have I, enough hair to comb over. I know, I like that you combed your neck hair around to make it look like a beard, and it's <laughs> yeah, that's very, impressive. It's, it's very well done. And that's uh, my chest yeah. hair and my oh, back hair. That's cool. Yeah, so at a certain point, it just all becomes the same thing. Yeah, yeah, and obviously, I've gone bald a long time ago, which is why I resorted to wearing a hat. And uh, Dylan, uh, once he hits puberty, he's gonna have some hair. Oh, my uh, hair's gonna disappear, it's that's coming. True. Yeah, oh. Until then. <laughs> All right. So this episode is my favorite movie, and it is true romance. Uh, 1993 American uh, romantic crime film directed by Tony Scott, written by Quentin Tarantino. It features an ensemble cast led by Christian Slater, Patricia Arquette, Dennis Hopper, Val Kilmer, Gary Oldman, Brad Pitt, Christopher Walken, and all in supporting and amazing roles. Uh, Slater and Arquette portray newlyweds on the run from the mafia after stealing a shipment of drugs. Um, now... I know the easy thing to say about this is that this is just a shoot 'em up uh, boy fantasy, um, and, and I'm going to disagree uh, on all those parts. But I'll let you guys at least uh, uh, try to serve me a, a, an argument on why this is not an amazing film. Um, but before we get into like a breakdown of what the film is, have you guys seen this movie before this specific project? No, this was my first time seeing it. Oh, okay, cool. I have seen the Barry episode, and you can see from my little nameplate here, mm -hmm. in the first episode of the HBO series Barry, which everybody should see, a character does Gary Oldman's monologue as his kind of like acting thing. Yeah. And I didn't realize that it was exactly from this, and so I'm like, where have I heard him talking about sushi egg rolls before? And then it's this really stupid scene from a show that I really like. So that was an interesting little like... Okay, ba Barry is amazing for me, <laughs> and this and this scene, and the scene you're talking about is is wild because yeah. it is done by one of the best actors of our time. And the thing that I think took me a long time to realize <coughs> why I like this movie so much is because this movie is a culmination of sad people, uh, and it's so many sad people when you think about. Uh, the hierarchy uh, of everyone in this movie uh, from, from film producers and movie makers all the way down to just kind of like schlubs on a couch. Everyone is sad and depressed. No matter how much money they had, what's going on, they're just depressed. It's even set in one of, I think, if, if, if a city could be depressed, Detroit would be depressed. 90s uh, Detroit and 90s LA. Seriously, it, it is like, it's like pre-Robocop sad. Um, now, this movie, uh, to me, now granted, uh, and, and I really hope it don't fall into the feel better category where I loved the movie so much when I was younger, uh, and then watching it back now. But I, I really, think, I think that's exactly what happened. I don't think so. Now, now, granted, I, I don't, I don't love it as much as I as I did, uh, and I think it's because I, I know um, a lot about this movie and uh, what this movie was supposed to be and, and what it is, and I and I still. I still love this movie, and I, and I think that this movie has probably the best scene of any movie I think ever, really. And and it's a it's a vocal scene, and the scene is so good. I think there's so much weight and weirdness to that scene that no other m movies can't hold that scene. Like the, you, 
there is not a movie that is able to contain a scene that is so big like that. Uh, and that's the Christopher Walken, Dennis Hopper scene, which I think is two amazing actors just, you know, in a really impressive, just uh, uh, thespian <laughs> battle. Uh, but anyway, so that, now this movie. Okay, now let's hop into it. Now we start off uh, with... Um, Clarence Worley, that's our that's our buddy, and he's an Elvis lover, and he's like super into uh, comic books. Obviously, he's a comic book store clerk, uh, and he's a film buff, <laughs> uh, very similar to me, uh, especially in the nineties. But anyway, uh, now he he loves Sony Sonny Chiba movies, and he's watching a triple feature at Detroit movie theater for his birthday, and that's where he meets Alabama uh, Whitman, who is an attractive young woman, lady of the <laughs> night. Uh, Can what? we talk about the opening scene of this movie before oh, we get to this sucks. This set the scene for this movie. And this is like the biggest nineties. It's a product of its time bullshit. Mm -hmm. And it's a scene where just Christian Slater's just talking about, first of all, I hate people who like are stuck on Elvis, like right. fucking yeah. get a life. <laughs> But then this guy's like, oh, no, I'm totally not gay. Totally not gay at all. Uh, I wouldn't. But if I had to fuck a guy to save my life, it would be Elvis. And it's like, fuck you. And I think that set the tone for this movie because I fucking hated this first scene. And as soon as this movie kicks off, I'm already having a bad time. So everything, like all the casual racism, all the casual homophobia that stacked up on top of this just made it worse and worse and worse. But when you start off your movie like this, I'm already going, fuck this movie. If this would have been a, or a pick, I wouldn't have been surprised. But since this was a Zach Wiseman like it made it that much worse. <laughs> okay, now, the, the, uh, now, granted, that that scene is that it the scene is a pointless scene, and it really does uh, uh, roughly set up the character of Clarence being uh, somebody who is in love with uh, icons and and in love with ideas of things. Uh, and even in this movie, you never really see uh, Elvis, even though you know that it's Elvis. You never see him. Uh, it, it is his mentor. Yeah. It's a, it's his mental. Now, look, keep in mind that th this is someone who is not he, he's not a hero. You know, what I mean, like no. he's not he's not a good guy. He's no. actually very problematic. And but but like Malcolm McDowell in Clockwork mm -hmm. Orange, this movie is making you is making this guy out to be the coolest guy in the movie. Incorrect. Incorrect. Th th this movie is make no. <laughs> He's not the coolest guy. He thinks he's cool as shit. Like, he wears those glasses. Like, he thinks he's... He's not cool. This movie's not, like, uh, worshipping Clarence. What this movie is showing is what a, a, a kind of a stupid person would do when they actually find love. When they get pushed out of their lane, out of the depression, out of the work every single day, out of the meeting stupid people that don't want to have the same stupid conversations. So, now, this movie, he's not a hero. Now, he doesn't do good things. And in all honesty, in the original script of this movie, he's supposed to die at the end. Now, there's no hero that dies at the end of their movie, and that's how you know he's not supposed to be a hero. He's not. If, if he would have died at the end of this movie, three extra stars. But the okay. ending of this movie... 
sure plummeted it down to like now that's tony scott's changing of a couple things and unfortunately you know like uh so a lot of what goes on with this movie is the fact that quentin tarantino kind of popped into the scene with reservoir dogs and everyone loved the dialogue and everyone loved the idea and the backwards kind of telling uh, of how that went out now he had three other scripts lined up he had pulp fiction he had true romance and he had natural born killers and he was shopping those around. He wanted to make Pulp Fiction, but he wanted to sell the other ones. Now, he sold the one to Tony Scott. Tony Scott, like they said, hey, you can have your choice of one or two. Tony Scott took True Romance, which is good because Oliver Stone took uh, Natural Born Killers. And he really ruined, well, that movie wasn't really designed to be good anyway. Uh, but he that made that That movie sucks it. ass. That movie is a very, uh, it's it's weird. It's, it's very bad. Um it's very bad uh, and it's very weird. Now go, that's a movie where like it goes through, like there's a part where it's animation. It goes black and white. Uh, you get weird. Uh, it, 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 there's like a, a weird snake bite trip. Um, but now the cool thing about that is that that movie is a script that was written by Clarence Worley in true romance. The main story of this movie was uh, he was a comic book artist who was writing a script uh, and blah, blah. Everyone hated everything that he was doing and he sold the script. Well, he was trying to sell a script, which was natural killers, whatever. No big deal. Yeah, I agree. Opening scene, not great. Aggressively 90s, not great. But I want to be very clear that I don't see Clarence as a hero here. I see Clarence as uh, as as kind of a an annoying, stupid person who got a chance to be bigger than he was ever supposed to be. I thought we were supposed to sympathize with him until Elvis tells him to kill Gary Oldman. And at that point, I'm like, oh, villain protagonist yeah i mean he he is just he's he's almost i don't i don't want to say crazy um that's a very 90s trope for for you know movie villains um but he he is not in his right mind he is an adult who fantasizes about elvis presley comics and, and sunny chiba movies and really just pie um now and i think that that's where a lot of the problems with how tony scott portrays this movie because he does have a michael bay kind of a feel to him where he likes to worship uh visuals uh and, and not really what's actually happening in the story and i think that's why i like the christopher walken dennis hopper scene so much is because there's not much that tony scott could have done to change that uh and that is a conversation between two men that know what's happening like Dennis Hopper as he knows he's going to die the entire time. All he's really doing is kind of pissing off Christopher Walken and uh and and elongating the situation really. Um and and I do I like that scene. I think that's a cool cool scene. Um <laughs> but anyway, so we're going to hop back into this thing. Um so after the the annoying scene where you find out that uh Clarence wants to uh hook up with Elvis uh no he doesn't fine. want to but he would if he had he would to. if he had he to. was gonna kill him yeah. he would have sex with elvis is the only way that he would do that okay well here's he, honestly you would need to kill me to have sex with a dead person uh there are some live men that i would very gladly have sex with but if you put a dead person in front of me you would need to kill me for me to do that so you can understand where he's coming from it is a corpse uh but anyway so he meets uh alabama at uh the, the movie theater uh and they have a great night and after having sex uh she tearfully confesses that she is a uh, a sex worker and she was hired by clarence's boss as a birthday present and she has fallen in love with clarence 
and he uh, has also fallen in love with her. Now, so stupid. It's, it's, it's very 90 schmaltz. Yeah, it's, it is. Point, it, it's pointless. It's uh, like, it's like, oh, uh, you got hired to have sex with me, but now we're in love with each other. Now we're married. There's like, okay, number one, the stakes, he... the stakes in this movie are nothing. Like he kills all sorts of people with all sorts of, yeah. with all sorts of witnesses, like all sorts of shit happens for absolutely no reason. The first time there's any stakes in this movie is when Bronson Pinchio is getting blown in a convertible doing cocaine. Yeah. That's the first time you see somebody doing something where it's like, oh, something might come out of this. Otherwise, I, it's just, I we're just blowing people away for no you, reason. That, none of that. Drugs, what, nothing you said shit. makes any sense whatsoever. Uh, everything that happens in this, except for him meeting uh, Alabama, which was set up by his boss, uh, he wants to just get her stuff, dude. He has never been with a woman. She is her very first time. It's her very first job as a, as, as a sex worker. She is terrified she got beaten up by drexel and she meets this guy and he's obviously just a gentle dude who wants to talk about having sex with dead people and comic books and uh, sure maybe it's stupid that they fell in love but love's pretty stupid if you think about it especially 90s love uh so whatever like i i there's there's no problem i have with that what's that's something that like sure 90s movie schmaltzy i get it but it i can see it you know what i mean like they fell in love. They do not want the life that they're in. They are annoyed. He just wants to show her that somebody can protect her. So he's like, I'm going to get your shit back. Hang on, girl. I'm going to get your shit back. So he goes, uh, uh, look, this is going to be kind of hard, Michael, if you don't at least play along. Now, <laughs> uh, no. Mm. No? <laughs> I'm not playing along. I, I absolutely thought that everything in this movie was was absolutely pointless. Um, this, and, this is and Michael's like, catharsis for all the shit he's had to put up with for and, Clockwork Orange. Yeah. And, well, no, 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 because just like with Boondock Saints, like I, I like gave in my Clockwork Orange thing. I said, look, you know, I watched this again. It sucked. When we watched Boondock Saints again, I got nothing back. Now I need something back from you here. Well, the the problem I have is that your arguments are are kind of fake arguments. Like the, everything has has stakes in this. Uh, once he goes and he tries to you know man up and be a cool guy to you know Drexel who is a, a, a pimp, uh, that goes terribly wrong for him and. Now he leaves his ID out there. So now there's not only drug dealers looking for him, but also the police might be looking for him. So, I mean, there's stakes there. And then now he has to get his dad involved because his dad has a little bit of clout with some police. And he's like, look, I just need you to find out if I'm being like looked after, whatever. And now he brings his dad into this. And his dad quit everything about his past life of being a cop and knowing everybody. And now he just lives in a train tracks uh, with a dog. So now he's bringing in other people into his world and I think that is stakes. Now it's stakes based on '90s schmaltz love, but it's stakes. Uh, so uh, there, there is a, a life or death. There is a, a search and reward. I think those are stakes. What's the definition of a stake? I, it just it felt like when he's doing everything, like 
I I felt like I was watching like a <laughs> 50s movie where the hero of the movie is untouchable. Like no matter what happens to this guy, you know that he he got the absolute shit beaten out of him. And I never felt like he was in any sort of danger. Like the cops find his his ID and it sort of never felt like anything was going to actually happen to this guy. Well, he, you know, he gets the upper hand. He blows these guys away. Uh, you know, there's all of these sex workers there all witnessed it. They all saw him do it. They just give him back his shit. It well, just... Okay. In all fairness, Drexel is a very, very bad man and has abused all of these women and has, uh, also, it's implied that he's sexually abused these women. So having these women who are kind of being owned by this man uh, and then having somebody come in uh, for love's sake, if anything else, and almost free them, it, you could see that. Uh, are they going to fight Clarence, who just killed? No, uh, I guess no, I'm protection? not expecting them, but I do expect, you know, some sort of some sort of somebody looking for him. It, it felt like everything there, there was, that happened was, where I know, no, 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 I know, no, no drug dealers I, looking for him. And the reason that other people start looking for him is because he tried to find out if people like him going to his dad to find out if people were looking for him, made people start looking for him. So he inadvertently is causing his own demise. And I think that that also makes sense. Yeah. Except. And, and again, it's the ending of this movie. If this stuff would have led to his demise, I would have had a much less of a problem with it. But the fact that we end up with the two of them, with their kid, on the beach, and everybody's happy, makes this movie yeah. absolutely pointless. If he would have died in that shootout scene, I'm like, okay, fine. At least this movie was something. If she now, would have been at the end, now this you know, she designed... got pregnant before he died and she had his kid and she's living on the beach with this money. Great. Fine. Which is, That's which is something. How, which is how that was obviously written, but not done because this is nineties. It is a, a, unfortunately like a Weinstein project. Uh, and it is a Tony Scott BS thing. But when you look at every, okay, number one, this is the only, I think the only kind of action, action, rom, rom action. I don't even know. There's not even a name for it. The romantic action movie. There's none of yeah, romantic. It's a romantic crime thriller, right? But there's none of those. So <laughs> yeah, there are. Name one. Mister and Mrs. Smith. That's no. Well, <laughs> all right. That's fair. That came out way out. Whole genre, Mister and Mrs. Smith. No, there's a genre, but this kind of started that genre because uh, up until then, it was like hey, the guy shooting things and the girls, whatever. Uh, I think that this is a movie where it shows that uh, Patricia Arquette uh, is is a very very strong, very capable woman uh, who holds her own. She gets the shit kicked out of her. Uh, he gets the shit kicked out of him. Uh, everything that they know, everybody that they know pretty much is in trouble. His dad dies. I think that those are all stakes. Now, granted, it does have that romantic thing to it. Now, if this is a romance movie, what other romance movie <laughs> where two people fall in love, uh, so a bunch of shit happens, and they get together at the end? That's every romance movie ever so it would make sense that that's how they would try to tie this up granted it'd be a better movie if clarence died which is once again how it was written but i can't i can't talk about that i'm only talking about the movie granted it'd have been a better movie if he died but i'm gonna say that the stakes are high like that's it if, if he would have died it would have been warranted vis-a-vis -vis their stakes 
I don't disagree. There are stakes. It's, I, I, it's uh, that it's that kind of stake where it's the good. The main character has something everybody else wants, no. which no. yeah, he has, he has drugs. It's not that everybody else wants it. He stole drugs. Yeah, the people who own it want it back, and he yeah. just wants to get rid of it. It's not everybody's looking for the thing that he has. Is that that would make it seem like it's a gift or something he had before the story? Not true. No, he takes the drugs, and everybody wants them back, or the he police want him for shooting up the place. He accidentally takes drugs. Yes, bad guys want the drugs back because there's yes. a lot of drugs. Cops want him because he's doing some weird shit now. So yes, that all makes sense. I, I, <laughs> it's, I'm, sense. I'm not saying it doesn't make sense, but this they're not terribly complex. Like yeah, it's, I'm not saying it doesn't make sense either. I'm just saying it. It's all it all it. Nothing feels like I said the first time that I was like, oh shit, something's gonna happen because of this was with a tertiary character in Bronson Pinchio. Like, it's the first time that I felt like somebody's actions were going to have consequences. Okay. Once again, I disagree. When you look at every single character, every character is doing something that could cause consequences. Even down to, like, Floyd. Floyd, who was that Brad Pitt character, the stoner character, uh, who inadvertently was, like, uh, that was actually a, a kind of a cool thing. Uh, I'll get to that I, later. I was, I was, whenever Brad Pitt was on screen, I was... <laughs> pretty happy <laughs> yeah he, was, no, he, he, did, he did great with what he had to do now he, he is he, by far the best he, part yeah. of this movie. he auditioned for a he auditioned for clarence when he saw that the role for floyd he begged to have that role instead he brought the honey bear on <laughs> set that was his honey bear and he improved all of his own lines except for uh letting them know where he was but even that character uh uh takes a just makes a choice based on his shitty attitude that really gets the whole ball rolling. He tells, you know, the, the hitman like where Clarence is and inadvertently, actually vertently, I guess, uh, getting uh, Alabama the shit kicked out of her by see, I, uh, a meatball sweat guy. I didn't see, I didn't see that as a choice. I just thought he was stupid and had no idea what was going. He was so like stoned out of his mind that he didn't know who he was. He was just like, somebody came in asking yeah. a question. I just answered it. Like he wasn't yeah, but, doing it to but, get, but his, but he's like, trouble. don't you condescend me mother. Like he was making well, a choice to yeah, be aggressive but, towards a man to get him what he thought was in a sticky situation, which wasn't yeah, order was when I'm high too, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That is true. You do get pretty ornery. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm trying to find a place to hop back into it. Because obviously we're not going to talk about movies. We're going to talk about actual characters. Dennis Hopper makes a choice that ends his life. That is a stake that he makes. He does it because he's been a shit father. He knows that. And he's like, you know what? The only thing that I really can do left for my son is to give him some time to try to get away. And have a badass scene with Christopher Walken, which I will stand up for. There's nothing wrong with that scene. That no. when it when it comes to writing and 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 just a one-on-one -on -one scene in a movie, you cannot get cooler than this scene. You cannot get more intense. I don't think. What? Why? I just it's fine. Um, I I just don't like. Look, <laughs> the amount of time. <laughs> That the N-word, and I get it. I get what he was doing. I just don't want to hear that word yeah, 70 times coming Look, out of somebody's I don't mouth. Like, I don't like sure. this movie because the N-word's in it. Like, I thought you can't. I'm like, I'm, I'm no, 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 no. I'm also not saying that. Yeah. I he, get what he's he is doing. I get why trying. he's doing it. I get why you like this scene. 
-hmm. I just didn't want to hear that being said over and over. And it's like, all right, I get it. You could have said it twice, but you said it 20 times. And it, it just, it, it, it was like Tarantino wrote the script on my ears. And yeah, that was when I was like, Oh, this is a Tarantino script for a thousand percent. Sure. I will, uh, I will say a younger Tarantino script, yeah, 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 yeah. Without, without the ability to be controlled. But yes, I will say the the three scenes that stuck out in my mind after watching this movie, in particular, that scene because I really like the dangerous person visits related character and related characters not dealing with it. I like that. Ty- I like that scene, and I think that it was well done enough where he. Wastes his time and amps him up and tries to make him make mistakes. I liked the scene where um, I'm skipping around a little bit. Oh, I like the fight scene when Alabama is attacked in the hotel room. Yes, absolutely. I really, I that scene was so much better than this. Yes, Christopher Walken. Uh, I, I liked it more than that because I think it shows how resourceful she is, mm-hmm. how determined she is, mm-hmm. and I really like a scene where a character who is, at first, initially it seems overwhelmed, eventually through clever application of the environment, gets through a fight scene against yeah. someone who's more pow- better than her. Great, cool. And then I also liked the shootout scene at the the standoff scene at the end when the criminals arrive and they realize the cops are already in a standoff mm-hmm. that sort of moment where everything converges and everybody involved realizes oh everybody we fucked up yeah. and then things go badly it's it i think it was one of the better applications of tarantino's tendency to have character moment character moment character moment explosive bloody violence Mm-hmm. moment of quiet and then you get back to it uh, those are the three scenes that really stuck out to me in that and i think of those three i think the interrogation scene between dennis hopper and uh, christopher walken was kind of the the lower end of it out of all three of those and i think that's probably just personal taste sure um <clears throat> yeah so now, I don't now know. yeah now this now a this is a 30 year old movie you know what i mean like when you look at these scenes, a uh, w- Patricia Arquette fighting and beating the shit out of uh, uh, out of uh, Tony Soprano, that was stunning. Uh, it, it was, was awesome. St- it was awesome. It was especially awesome in the '90s when you never really <laughs> saw like a woman uh, really doing anything, uh, especially in '90s movies. Uh, but it was such a cool scene to show her use like even misogynistic uh, tendencies of that assassin against them. When she started crying and she, uh, and she knew what she was doing. That's mm-hmm. a Black Widow move way before that. Uh, resourcefulness, I completely agree. And it was a visceral fight scene. Like him throwing her through like the, the doors of the, like the shower and in the bathroom. Like that that is a just a kinetic scene all around. Doesn't she it, use the back of the toilet to mm-hmm. like smash his head in? Yeah, stuff yeah. like it, that is yeah. great. It has, it has the kind of action like... I was talking about um, in the Boondock Saints episode, um, there's two kinds of action. There's realistic action violence, and then there's like over-the-top action mm-hmm. violence. And this, like, when it's when it's mixed up, that doesn't work. But in this movie, it is all over-the-top action. So when the action is happening, you're like, you know, these guys, these people would have been dead 
10 minutes ago, but they're still fighting. And it's like, that's fine because that's the action in this movie. And the action in this movie is awesome. Yeah. There is a movie that I like here. And if Quentin Tarantino directed it Mm -hmm. and, and directed it in the way that he wrote it, I think I would have been a hundred percent in on this movie, but, but the, the changes and the, the way that it turned out, um, it, it just, it, there's something about Quentin Tarantino that he he's one of those guys that has to take control of his own projects mm-hmm. or else there's something off in them that always yeah. turns me off. Sure, because most people don't understand how to successfully like yeah. uh, c- complete a, a good scene. They need yes. it to be too big. It's like with Oliver Stone, it's like, I got to make sure this part's an animation to show you the juxtaposition of this. And I got to show you that this weird trip and blah. And it's like, you, you don't need to do that if you understand how to functional, uh, how to functionally work a scene. And Quentin knows how to work scenes. And I think that, you know, yeah, those three scenes that you mentioned, Dylan, are great. I'll also put in there that the Drexel scene, uh, although weird sure uh viscerally just disgusting uh watching a man who is so sad that he's really trying to like embody a whole different person and then tries to show how like menacing he is uh, over and over <laughs> again while just giving himself a reason to lose i think all that is very cool i think he's uh, he's very good in this movie he plays the absolute best shitbag characters like yeah yeah. It, and it seems like it always seems like whenever they talk to Gary Oldman, like it seems like he's a very cool guy. Yeah. So the fact that he plays these shitheads so well is amazing. And he mm-hmm. did an amazing job with that horrible shit bag of a yeah. character that he yeah, had. What an yeah. absolute, absolute piece of shit character. Uh, so well portrayed uh, by Sirius Black. Like, so I think that was the first time Gary Oldman like entered my world is when I saw this movie. And when I found out that he was British, I'm like, oh, he's a real actor. That's cool. Like, oh, he's he's not an actual pimp. Um, but yeah, I, I I think that scene is is impressive because to me that shows the lengths that uh, Clarence will go to accidentally just to kind of figure out what he's what he's uh, trying to get done. And I, I you know going from that to having him call his dad to bring his dad into the scene. And then having his dad realize, like, oh my god, I gotta, I gotta die because my son's such a jerk. That's fine. Uh, so, and I think that that scene is so uh, cool. I think that that scene could have been in a movie. Now, granted, it was a movie a while ago, but if it wasn't, that scene could have worked almost the same today, with a little bit of dialogue change. I agree, yeah. uh, but. <laughs> That scene is is cool and it's it's important and I think that it really just displays a character arc of a person and the motivation of another person just with dialogue uh, and it, you know it's a great walk and the things like, I've been killed anyone since 1984 it feels good yeah I, it, listening it, to this I was like this is what Zach built his walking impression on like oh, this absolutely. is what he draws from when he does his walking voice yeah <laughs> yeah so you. You got cantaloupe. Uh, yeah, it, I, it, I would say that's that is this is the reason that I started doing a walking impression for that scene. The, yeah, this like uh, the fact that because you said in the chat you were like, oh, it has the best scene in any movie ever, and I'm trying to think of the scene, and then when you said what scene it was, I was like, that's the scene. Like yeah, of and, all and, the things that happen in this movie, 
that was one of my least favorite things that happened in this movie. And and I think the reason that this a this movie is so good to me, and b that scene in particular is a lot of the movies that we've watched on this thing that are people's favorite movies, and a lot of movies that we just watch in general. When you get done with it, you can remember some scenes, but having quotes stick out uh, is something fairly special. I think. Like think about Zack Snyder's Justice League as a four hour movie, no quotes, no quotes. And when we go through a lot of the movies that we've watched on this thing, like uh, no real quotes, you know, like there's no real dialogue. We're, Robocop, we're... Robocop, Lebowski. No, sure. No, I'm not saying there's none because we have facts. we have some good movies on here. Like Lebowski. They is live. Uh, they, they live. live. Okay, that, well, that's a great one. But <laughs> a lot of I'm, them. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that those movies stick as people's favorites or great movies because they are so quotable. Because you remember so many vivid scenes, and it's not just like, oh, I like E.T., but you're like, okay. Except for like the weird astronaut person uh, and, and scary white E.T. I don't remember a lot of that movie. I just e. remember. sucks ass. E. I, haven't, suck. I haven't seen E.T. in over it's, two decades. Yeah, and it's not ass. worth it. But what I'm saying is like those movies are people's favorites because the scenes, they stick to you. They, they are reasons for conversation. They are dialogues that you actually stay in, your, in, in the log. When you get done this movie, you're like, I have three or four favorite scenes. That's pretty dope in a movie that's an hour and a half. When you watch like a movie uh, like Boondock Saints, you know, it's like, what's your favorite scene? Even if you love that movie, there's probably two, maybe, I don't know, one. I, I mean, really this no movie quotes. was two hours long. Well, it didn't feel like it to me. <laughs> it felt every second of it. Okay, and, that, and that's fair. Yeah, and that's fair. A, and look, look. I don't want you to get defensive because I'm defensive. I can I can see why just by nature. I can I'm see always why defensive. This, you you feel defensive. Uh, Fine, I'm I can not defensive. See, don't ever like, say that again. I can see this movie being like somebody's favorite. And if I would have watched this in the '90s, fucking, you know, I would have been a hundred percent into this. Watching this for the first time two weeks ago, sure, it it does not feel the same. <laughs> I. It's very similar to what you said, Zach, about Inside of Lewin Davis being Dylan's favorite movie in 2012. I could see this being Zach's favorite movie in 1993. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, I could see you very much appreciating it. I, this movie, if, if anyone stops me and they're like, what's your favorite movie? Uh, now, of the five that I gave this group, most likely one of those five uh, will almost always mm -hmm. be said. This is the one that I will almost always say. Now, and I and I was having a hard time with this episode because I knew that I was going to hit the feel better uh, where it's like, I love this movie because of who I was when I watched it. But yeah, that's true. I, I mean, I did the same it's thing true. with my number one. Yeah. Um, but, yes, but I, mean, I gave that thing a 10 because I have no, like, I can't be objective about that movie. So sure. I totally get where you're coming from. Right. Now, the difference I see between me and Phil is that when he watched Boondock Saints back this year, he should have realized that this movie's not that great. When I watched True Romance back, I thought, okay, it's a little dated, but it's still a very good movie. It's a very, very good movie. I think that it is very unique, uh, and I think that it holds attention. I think the problem is that a lot of people just focus on the violence of it, and they see it as like that uh, angsty white boy uh, kind of uh, anger. And I, I can understand that. I wish that you would open your brain a little bit to understand that what's happening is that it's a flawed person that is doing what they can do to find love for the very first time. It is a flawed person trying to get out of the circumstances that they're in 
and they just fall into some weird shit. Uh, and I think that the storytelling technique of this, although Tony Scott didn't do a great job, uh, as well as you know uh, Tarantino would have done, I think that the storytelling of how this thing goes is a roller coaster in itself, and I think that's pretty interesting because once Dennis Hopper dies. You then you get a whole almost a whole different movie where it hops over to uh, uh, Dick Ritchie, uh, Rich Dicky, whatever I forget what his name is, uh, and that is Michael Rappaport's character, and he's trying hard to be uh, in T.J. Hooker. <laughs> no, I like yeah, that. I sure. Hate, I hate that the first time we meet Michael Rappaport, he's taking a shit. Like that fucking sucks. What a what an intro to the character though. It's effective. That's, yeah, that, I, I mean, mean it, it, this guy's constantly working. He's he's trying so hard to get a job that he's focused even when he's pooping you have to admire that <laughs> it's it's still michael rapport though i still don't want to i still don't want to look at in it. all I fairness he's awful it, he, he is awful but it makes this character work because of how bad he is because he's like tj Hooker. you know he's he's a bad actor playing kind of a bad actor which makes him good in that and i i can dig that uh and you're right then it leads to bronson pinchow which is such a weird uh, uh part for him to play but he is someone who thinks that he's a bigger piece of shit than he actually is. I I actually really liked his mm-hmm. I really liked everything that he did in this movie. Like yeah. and again, it was probably because it was it was the first time like I I get what you're saying about the stakes and maybe it's saying no stakes is is incorrect on my part. Very um, very incorrect. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Thank that's you. fine but um when like everything that happens to him i actually feel something for his character like mm-hmm. i feel like he's actually in trouble he like he's actually very good in this when he's acting mm-hmm. like because you can tell that he is putting on this front and you can tell that he's scared but like putting on a a brave face until the shit really hits the fan and then he he does a great job and that's a really good character yeah like even the, the elevator scene where the uh, elevator Clar- scene is Clarence amazing is, yeah he's trying hard to be like a cool guy and he's trying mm-hmm. to break uh, uh bronson and pinch out breaks and he doesn't even realize it uh yeah. i wish i would i wish someone would just get me out of here like I, it's everything gr- it's great it yeah that's great but so they need to get rid of these drugs so they hook up with uh, Dick Ritchie, who just knows a producer who might know somebody. And then because Pinch Al got busted for cocaine, <laughs> which is a really cool scene anyway, where she's like, fuck you, it's, I'm not saying I liked that. it. Yeah. yeah. No, it, it, I don't the know. scene was very good. Yeah. And like yeah. I said, it was the first time I felt like, you know, oh, somebody's actions are like causing them problems. Because mm-hmm. up until now, it, it felt like it felt like the stuff that that was going on was like oh it's just happening and there it goes yeah. mm-hmm. so now uh pinch out he uh suggests this movie producer uh this movie producer uh what's his name len 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 wiseman <laughs> len, <I forget laughs> something like that yeah i forget his name it's len len wiesman or something um uh it doesn't really matter len kabazinski I've, I, I've seen this actor in things. Yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's, a, he's in some stuff. He's a pretty good actor. And in this movie, I think that he's supposed to be like an Oliver Stone uh, type, you know, person because he, he has directed a movie called uh, Sending You Home in a Body Bag or uh, something along the lines of a very epic war movie. And he has a bunch of money. And he's probably the only person that anyone knows that would want 
a good amount of cocaine. And I love when they get to the producer who really just dismisses Bronson Pinchow, doesn't really listen to him, uh, which shows you that even like nobody is happy with what they're doing. They're all trying to get a step up. You know, Bronson is trying to get closer to the producer. The producer's trying to get more drugs and doing his thing because he needs another hit because people are complaining about, oh, I remember that movie you did. Yeah, he remembers the movie. So it's, it's just interesting how everything leads to this. And then we also get the, you know, the weird roller coaster scene uh, where they, you know, are trying to do the, the deal about Dr. Zhivago. Uh, kind of weird, so but weird. whatever. It's, yeah, it's a weird really scene, weird. but I dig it. It's so yeah. weird. Yeah. Yeah, I dig it. Um, now, that was supposed to be, it was supposed to be written in uh, a zoo. Um, for some reason, the whole thing was supposed to take place in a zoo. And it wasn't, it wasn't a set piece that was important. It was how he talks to Bronson. Uh, because they couldn't get the rights to be in a zoo during this, uh, they you know, rented out this amusement park, which is weird because Michael Rapport actually is deathly scared of roller coasters. So when he found out on that day that they changed it, uh, he's scared in real life, but whatever. Uh, that so, rules. Yeah, that's <laughs> fun. Yeah. Um, I, I just added a half star just for actually scaring Michael Rapport. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Uh, now, Alabama, yeah, that, that's when we get the whole scene uh, where Alabama, she's in the hotel room alone. She uh, is interrogated by one of the henchmen who's Virgil, uh, played by James Gandolfini, who viciously beats her. And Alabama fights back, uh, miraculously manages to kill him. And she and Clarence uh, talk of moving to Cancun with the money from the drug deal. Love all that. Great scene. It's great. Uh, Another yeah. great scene. Thank you. Uh, so knowing that Elliot's uh, cocaine was uncut and that Elliot's confession in order to avoid prison, L.A. Detective uh, Nicholson, Tom Sizemore, who is one of the sweatiest and grossest men ever, uh, and Dimes, who's played by Chris By Penn. definition. Yeah. With the name of Tom Sizemore, yeah, yeah. you're going to be big and sweaty. Yeah, what a gross, what a gross fellow. Um, now... Uh, they conclude that the size of a drug deal is about to go down, promising him that he can avoid prison in return for cooperation. Two detectives have Elliot wear a wire for a deal, uh, and Concati's men learn where the deal's going down from Dick's drugged-out roommate Floyd, Brad Pitt. Great character. Um, and, and the thing about all these characters I like so much is that you, you, you watch a movie like New Year's Eve, which we did, we did a couple weeks ago. Oh, God. Uh, now <laughs> I can't now believe you made me remember. Yeah. Awful, awful movie. Awful movie. But the thing is that that movie has so many actors and you're like, I don't remember who anybody... I remember what they were doing in the movie. This movie has more characters and every single one of those characters, you know what their purpose is. You know what their actual characters are. You see them as actual people that are fleshed out. They have a before this movie and they have an after this movie, which is the thing that a lot of movies get wrong. Uh, Most of them don't have an after this well, movie. Yeah, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I, I love the, the character development of each of these characters, even somebody so small as Floyd, where you're like, I understand your purpose. Uh, it's a cool character. Um, so uh, because of what uh, Floyd did, and they go to converge on Lee Donowitz's hotel. Uh, as a fan of his film work, Clarence makes a good impression on Lee because Clarence loves movies, especially his Lee movies. Uh, then they are ambushed by both the cops and the gangsters who coincidentally breaks in almost at the same time. In the middle of a Mexican standoff, uh, Lee realizes that Elliot is an informant and berates him, which I think is so great because in the middle of the gunfight between everybody, that's when the producer finds out that his You're never going to work in this yeah. town again. And he sounds so indignant about it. Yeah, so crazy. Um so uh, another uh, cool little thing in there. Uh, now Dick abandons the drugs and he flees. Clarence is shot in the eye when he exits the bathroom, devastating Alabama. While Dimes kills one of Donowitz's men, Alabama 
thinking that Clarence is dead, shoots and kills Dimes, ending the battle. Lee, Elliot, the police, gangsters, bodyguards, everybody's killed. Clarence, however, survives, partially blinded. He and Alabama escape uh, as more police swarm the hotel. They're shown as a happy family on a beach in Cancun with a son they named Elvis. Uh, and yeah, and that, once again, I agree. Them, not, them, not the leaving, them leaving that hotel room just with the cops walking past <laughs> them and well, he just has the sunglasses on and the blood is trickling down. Like... Look, nobody's leaving that apartment there's a gunfight on the penthouse uh they're not going to hold everyone inside the hotel yes they will yes they will people go up there no that's no nobody's leaving that building nobody's leaving that that is this is pre-9-11 keep that doesn't matter it's la it's la in the 90s listen you're rich white people you can do what you want get out of this hotel go to this is bad no i disagree no he should have died in that hotel room if it would have been her by herself Self, yep maybe she could have she could have done the yeah, hysterics the two of them yeah i get it he should have died yeah. absolutely a hundred percent not no can you, can you go to note number two yes he should have died i get it he didn't die he got out of the hotel that makes sense there's a good yes, i know and everyone involved is dead up there all the police that are not involved in this case they just know they're getting to they a gunfight. are not leaving that apartment building Everyone in the lobby can leave. There is a no. gunfight in there. Nope. So you're telling me that if there's a gunfight in a movie theater, they're going to keep everyone inside the fucking movie theater? Until no. they talk to everybody. Yes, yes 100%. Get out of the theater, find out where the gunners are, and figure I'm shit gonna out. I'm going to need you to give a little bit here. This I don't is think a, this so. This is a bad scene. <laughs> nope. Nope. That scene works. It's a uh, It's a scene of convenience for the writer, so they didn't have to write a scene where they get out of the police. How do they get out of the building? They walk past the they police. They could have done anything else. Now, they could have left. Would have they died. could have showed them on. They could have shown them on the beach next. But no, the fact no. that they walked past the police, you mean to tell with me, the blood dripping down on his You would be face. more happy if they just. I would cut be much more happy if they didn't walk on a past beach? thirty fucking cops. No. It would remove this no. thorn no. in the logic of the film. It's it's. Poor, I, bad logic. All of you would be so angry if they went from a gunfight to just being happy on a beach. You're like, well, how did they get out of any no. of that? No, no, absolutely fuck. not. No, because all of you I would have goddamn quit. You guys are incorrect here. <laughs> no, because what it does is it makes me go, how do they get past those cops? As opposed they to, oh, out. they got to the beach. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You're outnumbered. 90s here. LA doesn't matter if you're covered in blood, they're gonna hold I you. Have, I would have rather them just been gone nope, than nope. watched them hobble is, out of that is, place dripping pre, blood. Pre 9 11, it doesn't matter. They are going to keep all of the people there no, until they talk they're gonna to them. Go to where the they're absolutely is not. <laughs> Did you ever see Die Hard? Nobody have, left that place without talking to the cops. Have you seen L.A. in the 90s? <laughs> Nobody's getting out of a shootout building in, in L.A. in the 90s without the police this is, stopping them. This is, this is this 93. Is this is after the Rodney King riots. Yeah, that's The LAPD bad. is going to hold everybody. No. Yep. No. Yep. <laughs> Not if you use that word that many times. The, the cops let you go. You know they didn't that. hear that. <laughs> they well, didn't they can, hear it. They can just read it on. Plus, uh, it was so, his dad. Who, it was his dad who said it. Yeah. Uh, now that is the end of this movie. Yes, he should have died. He didn't in the movie, but 
You have a movie that is full of characters that are well fleshed out in at least five amazing scenes. The dialogue is perfect. The stylization is perfect. The color palette of this is quirky and perfect. Uh, I like everything about it. There's a couple of nitpicks, sure. Then you want to talk about legacy, though, right? Because I think that's the coolest thing ever is uh, how does a movie stand on its own? Legacy of uh, Night of Living Dead, huge, huge legacy. 30 stupid movies after this. Even Snack Cider did a couple of them, uh, but big legacy. That is how people remember that. Uh, the legacy of uh, Lewin Davis. The Oscar Coen Isaac. brothers and Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac is sexy. It's got a great legacy. That's all I'm saying. This movie, uh, I think. <laughs> now, Brad Pitt's character in True Romance, uh, Floyd, was the entire inspiration for the movie Pineapple Express. Uh, Judd Apatow, when he saw that character, he wanted to write a movie about that character alone. So, <laughs> so Pineapple Express is literally based on a character from this movie that was uh, thought up from Brad Pitt's mind, which I love, because uh, that character is very cool. Um, now, uh, Robbers, a song by the English rock band from the 1975. Um, wait. Robbers is a song by the English. The 1975. Uh, the 1975 okay. from yeah. their 2013 debut album was inspired by this film. So if you know them, vocalist Matthew Healy explained. They're, they're fine. I, I got really obsessed with the character behind Patricia Arquette's character in True Romance when I was 18. That craving for the bad boy in a film was so sexy. Um, so that band exists because of this movie. Uh, Oldman's villain also garnered claim. Um, they wrote, well, with just a few minutes of screen time, Gary Oldman crafts one of cinema's most memorable villains, the brutal dreadlocked pimp Drexel Spivey, uh, even a movie jam of memorable cameos from scene luminaries, uh, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but you remember Gary Oldman as this is one, you think of Gary Oldman's whole span of career. This movie will stand out in your brain now. You're like, Sears Black? Oh yeah, and also that weird Drexel guy. Uh, this movie has, I think, a good legacy. This movie hit me at the right time, and I and I can understand uh, uh, more simple minds not getting it. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. Okay. Uh, your fedora. <laughs> uh, yeah. So okay. Anyway, that that is uh, that is my favorite movie. Uh, granted, it is flawed. Uh, there are problems in it. It should be rewritten. It should be reshot by better people uh, with a, a better uh, thing in mind. But I don't think any yeah. of us can say Where's that. Where's the Brett Ratner reboot of this movie? Oh, my God. <laughs> the, the, the rat, you want the Rat Pack back? Um, <laughs> Brett Ratner. Yeah. Oh, um, <laughs> but the thing is, I think that we can all say that about our favorite movies. Is that Yeah, they could have done something better now, but they didn't. They could have done things better. They can do things better, but they didn't. This movie is my favorite movie. Um, so I guess uh, you can hit me with whatever you got, and then we'll do some reels and talk about the future. This I movie, it, this whole project um, sort of... Don't you dare. Don't compare this movie to this project. We have an episode to talk about this project coming up, so this keep project, that in mind. No, no, no. no. Well, this, this relates directly to this okay. movie. This project has made me realize that the 1990s was the absolute worst time 
it was like just not, full of the casual racism film. and homophobia. And I not, grew not up 99. in the 90s. I, not 99. Shut up, shut up Zach. No. Shut up. I'm talking. I grew up in the 1990s and I was like fine with that stuff back then. But going back to it now and seeing how terrible everyone was in the 90s, just trying to be edgy, just trying, you know, casual everything like if you weren't a white man in the 90s if you weren't a straight white man in the 90s you were prime candidate to get made fun of and it was fine and that sucks and it was the worst in the 90s because it was just sort of coming out to light and you know people didn't realize that that sucked this movie has so much of that quentin tarantino has a lot of that um there is a movie again there's a movie in here that i liked Mm -hmm. Tarantino has to do a Tarantino script or it loses something because there's a vitality lost. There is something that goes on in his brain that he knows exactly what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And if he gives that to someone else, no matter how capable they are, it loses something. And so yeah, again, if I would have seen this in the if I would have seen this in 1993 as a 14-year-old, I would have been like, this is the coolest fucking movie I've ever seen. I I would have given this a 10. Again, in 1993, I would have given this a a, a 30 reels. If I had seen but this watch- in 2004 when I was 14, I would have yeah. also really liked this movie. Watching this for the first <laughs> time, <laughs> watching this for the first time 2 weeks ago, I was like, oh, the 90s, that's right, the 90s fucking were terrible um so yeah i'm i'm gonna give this thing again but but, but compared to everything like yeah the 90s were bad right the 90s were bad they're full of bad stuff yes but it compared to everything else it is better than all of those it's a it's a better movie Mm -hmm. but it's a better movie i'll give it that you can't absolutely is a better movie to have it has five great scenes in it it has exactly equal amounts of casual homophobia and casual racism as all of those other things mm-hmm. that we talked shit on the casual racism yeah. and the casual homophobia. I can't let it pass for this movie because it's a better movie. It also has the stupidest ending. I hate endings like this. An, a, a, a shitty ending will ruin an entire movie for me. That Evil Dead reboot, like I liked up until the main character spoilers for the like last evil dead movie get saved by love which is my least favorite thing to happen in movies like this kind of sappy ending to a horrific movie sucks and i hate it and like you i can't get past the shitty ending for this movie (laughs) there is a good ending for this movie it was written if it would have ended that way fine perfectly fine i get it but the way that this movie is currently i didn't like it and it was seeing it in 2022 for the very first time not happy with it uh but like i'll give it that it had good characters it had good scenes i'm going to give it what you gave my number one movie and this is bumping it up from what i would have given it i was going to give it 4.5 but i'm going to give it five that's that's uh uh fair for uh you 
that's fair. <laughs> Go uh, ahead. Say, say a simpler mind. I want to hear you say it. <laughs> I've already used that term. I'm looking at my thesaurus now. Uh, I do love that band. Yeah, I know you do. Simple know Minds know do. is great. Yeah. Simple um, Minds. Yeah, I, I, I can understand. I obviously, I, I have no idea what it's like to have not seen this movie and to have seen it now. I can't see that. What I can see is a movie that I'm watching now has brilliant dialogue, brilliant characters, at least five amazing scenes, aggressively quotable, and I think that that fulfills every requirement, especially of any of the people on this current panel, uh, their top five favorite movies that are not just weird blockbusters like Star Wars, Return of the Jedi. Um, it was just, it was so weird to to get like this very sincere emotional ghibli movie from mm -hmm. you and then that amazing uh parasite parasite and then <laughs> like star wars and then what was your other one uh unbreakable unbreakable which was like yeah. at least interesting mm -hmm. to have this be your number one it blew my fucking mind <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I, I understood. My head around I understood it completely. If, you, if you look at the collective of those five movies, uh, I think that if you own those five movies, uh, you would appease the majority of people that have either seen it or not seen those movies. You could throw any of those in at any time. This movie feels like three to four different movies that are all very cool. It's almost like a four room style movie where you just keep getting weird little si four nope. rooms was way better than this. I haven't seen four this rooms, was, but this movie felt very consistent throughout. This, this I do was like, my I do least like favorite of your five movies, which is so weird because the stuff that you brought to me that I, that I hadn't seen before was fucking amazing. Like I enjoyed yeah. your other movies so much. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's also like bringing it back. The fact that that first scene where Christian Slater's like, I wouldn't fuck a guy unless you were going to kill me. And then to hear all this yeah. like, racism and homophobia. And this is from your number one favorite movie. Also, I think tainted this movie towards not liking it as much. Yeah, sure. And that's fair to me. I have spent 30 years thinking about this movie Rewatching certain scenes, trying to figure out the point, knowing that Tarantino is such a dramatic writer and that what he puts in his movies are there for reasons. I like to understand the motivations of everything. I'm a fan of sad people trying to understand their point in life. And that's my collective of those five movies. It is what does a sad person do when they have an opportunity of possibly standing outside of their normal life? I saw this as, as two sad annoying kind of stupid people and they just want love and that's it and they fell into such a weird adventure and if uh, dylan i think can understand from my storytelling uh i'm a fan of sad people that get a chance to be cool uh in their own eyes and i think parasite is that it's a bunch of sad people that are just trying to be cool to themselves uh spirit away is a, a sad little girl who gets a chance to be a cool person uh new hope it's a sad little boy who is sick of sand who just wants to be a pilot somewhere and unbreakable is just a sad man who doesn't even realize that he's never been sick because he's so sad and then he gets the chance to be a superhero and he's still kind of sad because like shit now i gotta do some stuff and, and this... all like all of those mm -hmm. i would put and again i met you like two years ago i've known you for like two years so i don't know your whole thing i'm a sad boy oh and and <laughs> i got that from your movies yeah this one it just it sure. just didn't hit the mark and yeah it, like i like 
yeah, just just the fact that like I like from what I know of you, mm-hmm. um, you are like sensitive and you are compassionate Whoa. and Whoa. Do, and you play a character Whoa. on here and it's fine and whatever. I do the same thing. <laughs> but but like to have this be your number one movie was so weird to me. Yeah. And it 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 it, it I, I like I'm speechless at how much different this movie is than those other movies yeah that were so thoughtful and like when you were saying about a sad person like mm -hmm. figuring out who they are and trying to be cool and trying to help you like unbreakable does so much of a better job at that storytelling um and yeah just it, it it just it's more of a it's more of an indictment on you than the movie yeah and, and, and that's fair i i have i have read this script uh i have studied this film i have i have based uh character types on characters that are brought up here i, I think that this movie granted has uh uh some stupid homophobia and some stupid racism it also showed me, I think, the first setting uh, of, a, of an indie movie that has a powerful female that is making choices on her own. That is uh, somebody who is so out of their element and trying to just be cool to their new wife. Uh, yeah, And I think the problem is that I did see this movie when it first came out and, and who Zach Wiseman was, knowing that I was a comic book nerd that wanted to write a movie so bad and didn't have a girlfriend for, you know, uh, two more years after I've seen this movie. Uh, so all, all of this fits in. <laughs> the difference that I think between this and Boondock Saints is that that movie is a, a glorification of just violence and stupidity i think that what's in this movie fits this movie it fits the narrative that is is being told by these people and i don't think that it's pointless i don't think that it glorifies it if anything it's like look this all this sucks everything sucks life sucks just do what you gotta do to get out it definitely doesn't glorify the violence um the violence the violence has real weight in this movie like like those fight scenes, even though they are over the top, they're so visceral. Yeah. And like, yeah. The, yeah. The violence is not I, like, I will say that I, I glorified it all. I wish that Tarantino would have done this movie outside of the fight scenes. Cause he does have a weird fascination with like the uh, uh, glorified. Uh, it's, it's hyper stylized. It's yeah, very he's, stylized. Yeah, it he's, removes he's, a lot of the reality from it. Right. And I think that that would have done a disservice to this movie unless it yeah. would have uh, brought into the fact that this is how Clarence sees the world. Um, I think, but it, it, see- it, I think it also, if, if Tarantino did it and it ended the way he wrote it, mm-hmm. That violence, it it also would have been okay for that a little bit over the top violence because because then it it does in the end have serious consequences for your two main characters. Yeah. Yeah. I can see this movie being thought at as violent. I see this movie as uh, just a whole bunch of sad people in a sad city and they just are so tired of being sad and stupid. Uh, and, and that's why uh, I, I will give this 10 out of 10 reels. This is my favorite movie. Aggressively flawed. Um, but yes. I, but so are you. I'm Zach Wiseman because of probably this film, unfortunately. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Dylan Terry, give me some reels. Uh, you know I love you. 
this uh, just made sense to me. This is seven. Uh, I didn't see this when I was young. I saw this after I've watched a lot of movies. Um, it did a lot of things I liked. It did some stuff that I was very, very eh on. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have quite so strong a visceral... N- I, I, have a, I mean, obviously I have a negative reaction to characters being shitheads and racists and homophobes and stuff like that. I also have less of an issue being like, the character's a shithead and I'm not supposed to sympathize with them. Mm-hmm. That colors the rest of the movie. Uh, which means that when they get a cozy ending at the end, I'm like, all right, did they earn it? Eh, they went through shit. Has he shown that he's a better person? Eh, whatever. Well, it, but it's also it's also not the main crux of the movie, this character changing himself. This is a movie about a guy who, as you said, gets bigger than he ever thought he would because he's getting chased by cops and criminals and shit like yeah. that. He doesn't need to get better. He's not trying no. to get better. They love each other in the beginning. Sure. They're, they're just trying to be together. And yeah. that's, that's it. They're just, which which yeah. means that there's not a whole lot of character growth, which I kind of like. Um, uh, uh, but what, it's a seven, which is fine, which is stronger than average for what I rate most of these movies. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it, I don't know that I'll ever go back to this. I don't know that I'll ever, ever have the urge to rewatch this, which I think might be a stronger opinion than a straight reels. Yeah. Not a negative one, but it, 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 hmm. it it's a, it's, it's a, not positive. There's it's not positive. Movies, You're right. There's not. There's not. There's very few movies that I refuse to watch again. I, I won't refuse to watch it again. But it's oh. not something that I necessarily would. I see. I don't see myself seeking this out again I unless I really wanted to clarify something for myself. Yeah, I'm also, in exactly the same place. Yeah, like I could. Also, I I can see myself rewatching this if like you and I have some conversation in the future where it puts us in a different light, and I'm like. Eh, I might revisit it just now that I've seen it before and I know what to expect and I can kind of sure. pick up the, some of the deeper stuff. But my immediate thought was not on finishing this. I'm going to watch this movie again. Was this a movie that while you were watching it, you kept looking at your phone or thought like, because, you know, when you're watching New Year's Eve, it's like, oh, my God, I do not. I do not want to be here anymore. What else? I, I watched both New Year's Eve and oh. this movie while making dinner. <laughs> uh, separate incidents. I have my laptop on the counter next to me, but I was paying attention. Uh, this one, I mean, uh, this is it's no co- no fucking contest. Like, let's yeah. be real here. Yeah. Uh, I didn't. I didn't. I don't want you to think there's any parallels I'm drawing between <laughs> no, the no, two no, of those no, films, no. despite the fact that you made me watch both of them. Um, but w- when I, w- you know, I started this movie. I started making dinner. I finished making dinner. I set my laptop on the table and I stayed there and watched the entire thing. I didn't pick it up and pause it and move back or anything like that. So it held my attention. Like it, I enjoyed the movie for what it is. Yeah. I didn't find anything that elevated it over a similar era Tarantino film. Yeah. And, and like- I understand I didn't watch it when I was a comic book nerd in the 90s as a single man. Like, the romance, you know, I'm a sucker. Yeah. Um, Dude, I've I'm, been I'm, accused I'm, by I'm, at I'm, least one person on this podcast of, of writing the sappiest shit he's ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Which is which was the intention? That was the that was the positive ending of that show. You should go listen to CYOP Appeal. Oh man, CYOP Appeal is 
wonderful and it has the sappiest ending I've it ever also has a whole bunch of really has, dark no, death in really it cool yeah yeah oh it, it takes you a couple of of go-throughs to get to that but when yeah. you get to it it's such a good payoff because you've killed this character so <laughs> Uh, we didn't do it. Whoever was listening to the podcast did. It. I killed that character so many times. There we go. Uh, and speaking of reels, uh, the three of us combined bring it out to about 7.3 average, which, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I it's, it's a I lesser it. It's a lesser Tarantino movie, I think. I, I, I don't. I don't mean that as a negative. No, I, I think that there is like, like, uh, like what Michael said. There, there is an absolute gem in there that could have stood the test of time. Uh, that story could be told now, and it probably should have been told now with a better point of view. Um, a lot of movies in the '90s cannot be told ever again. Uh, this was one yeah. that you could see the genius of, of early Tarantino. You could see what he's trying to do, and he had to put it in somebody else's hands to get it done. Uh, but I do appreciate uh, you guys. I think that your reels are. Uh, they're apt. I think that they're the adequate. Uh, I, I understood them um, be, because, yeah, I, I think that uh, a quick viewing of this, it, it is just a violent gore fest uh, and, and white boys getting off. Um, yeah, the, the violence was was the least offensive part of this. No, I like violence I liked. was like actually really like when the violence came up, I was like, oh, you know, at, at the, the violence is happening for a reason. It's not yeah. gratuitous. Yeah, it, no, it, it is effective. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. the violence is well utilized in this the movie. The violence is, yeah. is... I definitely would like to see an established Tarantino taking his time <laughs> making this movie again. That yeah. would be such a beautiful little thing. Who would you um, cast in a remake of this, Zach? Modern day actor. Modern day Hollywood stable. Um, Gal Gadot. I mean, <laughs> what? No, I don't, I don't know. know. I don't think Gal Gadot. Um, I, I think that... Uh, I, now, it really would depend on how old we're trying to keep these people. Because I think that in the 90s, like uh, uh, being like their late 20s and, and uh, struggling was a normal thing. I think now it might be cooler to have them a little bit older. Um, I think that would make their struggle a little bit uh, more apt for how low level it is and stakeless. Um, so I would like to see um, who is the actor who was uh, the, the, the huntress in... Uh, this, uh, Birds of Prey. Mary uh, Elizabeth Winstead. Yeah, I like to oh, see her. Okay. Yeah, I like to see her as uh, the Patricia Arquette because I think that she is very uh, cute, uh, but probably doesn't know it and can play that role very easily. Uh, Brad Pitt stays the same. He is the exact same character. I think that that works uh, aggressively well. Um, I, now, I was, I, <laughs> I was thinking Charlize Theron for some reason. That's also that's Patricia also Arquette not bad. that's not bad too. Um, she all she plays Hagrid well, and I, I that's what I think you need. I think you need someone yeah. that can look like they've been kicked to shit. I, I thought you said Hagrid, and I'm like, oh, we watch oh. different movies. Hagrid. Yeah, um, she, like she's gorgeous, and then she can like get roughed up. And oh yeah. yeah, she can get monstered. Yeah. yeah. Now the the Clarence part, I think that we would probably cast different people because I think that we see this as a as a different person. Uh, he needs to be someone who is. Uh, not cool, uh, not good looking, and uh, someone who, when you see them, you're like, why are you trying to be cool? Jamie uh, Kennedy. Bruce Campbell. <laughs> Jamie Kennedy? I don't know. <laughs> Jamie Kennedy should never be in anything <laughs> ever. Except not, Scream. He really should not even be in people's mouths anymore. Uh, but I was going to say, I, I like that actor, Barry Keegan, because I think that he 
plays kind of like, uh, although kind of a newer actor, um, I like his style of just kind of like, uh, uh, really like aloof and, uh, I don't know what I'm doing here. Um, he, he's very, he's, he's very, you know, he doesn't have a whole lot of investment. Yeah, like, yeah, I like no, that. He, he's always I like, aloof. Yeah, I like I like someone that has very boring, monotone conversations about the things they like, and then it's like, oh, you're trying to be cool, and then boof, that happens. So uh, I, I would like to see a newer version of this, but that's it. Uh, okay, so that was the Real Boys. Uh, that was uh, episode uh, sixty-eight of the Real Boys. What a weird thing! And Dylan, <laughs> Dylan has a very special announcement that he would like to make uh, at the end of my very special announcement, which is uh, I'll be the first one to be leaving the Real Boys officially uh, at the end of season one. I will no longer uh, be partaking in this experiment. Um, okay. We will be finding new experiments to delve into. If you want to hear us talk about movies or TV shows, we have other stuff to do. We have things like No Time to Binge, and I would suggest you checking that out because that is under uh, aggressive revamping. And oh, yeah. uh, we have a very cool idea for what's going on with the future. We have a great cast for that, and I think that we have a really good concept. So if you like hearing us talk about uh, movies, but you wish that we talked about things that were funnier or better, uh, go check out No Time to Binge because that is a better cast of people, and we talk funnier things. Uh, so you can go check that out. Uh, and like uh, my friends here were talking about earlier, please go listen to Create Your Own Pod Venture. Uh, that is a, a very cool concept that Dylan and I put together. Uh, you choose the path that you want to take. You listen to episode one and you make these cool goggles. And these goggles are like, I'll tell you everything you need. And uh, you're like, ah, shit, I got bit by a snake. And it's like, it just shows you grass. And it's like, I don't know. Should I yeah, it doesn't, this it grass? doesn't tell you or... what you need to do. <laughs> yeah, with the grass. doesn't tell you why you need it. Yeah. Right. And then. And and then you do the wrong thing with it and you suffer and die in the middle of a field. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, Dylan wrote, uh, we, we wrote a whole bunch of crazy endings. I think you get attacked by a bear at one point. Uh, mm -hmm. The one, I think the, my favorite one is when we're just drifting through time in an accidental, accidental episode. I don't know if people found that one. That is my absolute favorite. That's the Easter egg uh, episode. Yeah. Cause yeah. there's an episode in there that you, that you cannot get to like no path lead you to that oh, episode. Oh, don't do spoilers. <laughs> what? I, it's not a spoiler. It's a show yeah, it is. A year ago. It's, it's been out. Yeah, it's been out for a while. Okay. We're, we're working on season two. And as a matter of fact, I was talking to somebody today who was like listening to it at the time. Uh, I was talking to some guy on LinkedIn and he's like, oh, this uh, uh, Create Your Own Pod Venture. This is a pretty cool thing. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I know. Go check out more stuff that Dylan writes. Like Silicon Angels. Like Podcast, Podcast, The Podcast Show. Uh, we have a lot of our stuff. I mean, we really do a whole yeah. bunch of weird stuff. Uh, we, have weird, yeah. we have a heavily scripted thing coming out or in progress yep. right now. We'll talk about more about that on other projects. Yeah. I'm excited about that. <laughs> and uh, and if you want to just create weird stuff with us whenever you want to, on Tuesdays we go on Twitch and we go live on YouTube and we just create cool stories with uh, cool people like you. Uh, but yeah, that's all. Some nobodies. Open up something. Type in some nobodies. That's me and Dylan. Uh, sometimes you'll find Michael Colby. Uh, peeking through our windows he's, yeah. he's peeking he, through the windows he's always perusing our craigslist i get i get in there as often as i can i'll That's i'll true. snake my way into some nobody stuff yeah. as much as i possibly he is can sniffing around all the audio that we can put out there uh but we're always smelling zach wiseman's shirt <laughs> Uh, but we do appreciate anyone and everyone who listens and pays attention to us because we are some weirdos that just like people listening to us. We like to talk and we love attention and you give it to us. So thank you very much for that. Please find us uh, and uh, let us know how you think. And if you like true romance or you don't like true romance, uh, throw it in the comments. Let me know because uh, I'll probably hate you if you don't. And uh, Michael Colby needs a friend. So if you don't like it, you probably find a friend with him. 
Um, Michael Colby is going to tell you where you can find him. And after that, we're done, folks. Here we go. Are we doing a retrospective? We got yeah. one more stupid episode where we're just going to make let, fun let, of all the episodes that we've done. Let Michael uh, let Michael talk about what he's doing, and we'll explain what the real boys are going to do to end afterwards. Yeah. Also, Michael can probably explain that too because he is a real boy in essence. Oh, okay. So um, you can find me on Generation Clash, which is a movie or a music podcast that I do with my kid. Um, you can find me on I Love This Terrible Game, which is a video game podcast where we talk about video games. And you can find me on Jack Billings Presents Haunted Apartment Complex, which is on the Podmoth Network, which you will hear Mr. Dylan Terry as uh, magician Marcus Fiasco. And you will soon be hearing Mr. <laughs> Zach Wiseman as the ghost of Adam Lynch, the Reading, Ohio butt stabber. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now that my voice is back, I have to re record all my lines. The first one's like, rawr, rawr. <laughs> not good. Which would probably be cool, but um, yeah, probably be hard to uh, do again. Um, so, so yeah, check out. And Zeno Knox, who has been talking shit constantly through the episode, um, is also on I Love This Terrible Game with us. Um, this Friday, we have a, a show dedicated to only Dark Souls. So if you're into Dark yeah, Souls... Yeah, hell yeah! Hell yeah! <laughs> uh, check that out. And yeah, so um, next Monday, what we're going to be doing is we are going to be talking about this project as a whole because despite the fact that we sort of um are making a big joke out of it we are actually going to stop doing this yes um... this was not our show to begin with (laughs) we got recruited to this show and then got completely ghosted and it's hilarious (laughs) but also infuriating the the most ghosted i've ever been in my actual life as a single man which is bizarre so i I honestly did not know you can leave a podcast on red before (laughs) we will be talking about the ghosting um, we'll also be talking about our highlights and lowlights of the what show. What we should have been harder on, what we should have been less hard on. Yeah. And, and um, I tell you, and there's going to be a cool little segment at the end. And if you're watching us right now, listen to this. I need you to know that I'm going to be currently reviewing all of the shows that the ex real boys flash, flash reviewing it. Five real boys, four real boys. I think. Yeah. Chris, he doesn't, his show's good and he doesn't really do shows anymore. Four real boys. I'm going to be reviewing all the garbage they talked about. So if you want to hear how the real, real boys think about the ex-real boys, tune into this last one. I'll, it's going to be crazy. I'll be talking about um, Dad's anime stash, which is the only one that I can stomach. <laughs> oh, a- anima, anima shenanigans? Anima I No longer anima shenanigans. Oh, it's, what's it called? Dad's stash? It's Dad's it's anime stash? Dad's anime stash. Yeah, Ew, all right. He's got anime left in his... Yeah, there's a lot. Sure. Yeah, you gotta you gotta save some of that anime for later. (laughs) Get that anime flavor out of there. (laughs) I will be talking exclusively about the real boys because Mm -hmm. everybody who's not on the show is dead to me. Yeah, true. Uh, (laughs) It's okay. They're dead. It's really weird. one of the real boys. I don't have my. Sense no, I'm. I'm still. I'm still semi connected to like one or two of them. One of. Uh, one I of forget, them. I forget half their names. One of them, like, 
died because I was so mean mm-hmm. to their podcast to their second favorite movie. Yeah. But um must have had years worth of podcasts scheduled because they're just coming out. They're all terrible, but they're still coming out. Oh yeah? Like what? I can't I can't talk about it. I'm out. I'm done. Oh well, why'd you set that up? Because I took you took a five minute walk to set me up for this. I just I just wanted to say that that you the one of the real of boys me. died because I was so mean to one of his movies, and I yeah. think that's hilarious. Then how does he keep putting out so many podcasts? <laughs> They're all scheduled ahead of time. Yeah, that's oh, true. That's true. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, I've also been writing a <laughs> a song for the other real boys, uh, which I might be performing live uh, next week when this goes on. So uh, episode 69, a synopsis of the real boys uh, brought to you by some real boys next Monday, 8 PM Eastern, 7 PM, whatever the middle one is and 6 PM. If you're in the mountains and I think it's 3 PM, if you're in Hawaii, I have no idea. Uh, but either way, tune in. Cause we're going to talk shit on ourselves and that's weird. Oh, no, we're going to praise ourselves. Oh, no, I'm not praising you. Oh, well, I'm going to praise you guys, so get oh, get shit. used to it. Hmm. I've been here for like 67 episodes. This is fucking exhausting. I'm yeah, going to run I, the outro look, now. I, I took half of them off, so I'm ready. We're sitting down here ready to negotiate. <laughs> You've already given up your shit. I'm still a mystery to you. But I know exactly where your white ass is coming from. See, if I ask if you want some dinner... And you grab the air on start to try down. I said to myself, this motherfucker, he's carrying on like he ain't got a care in the world. And who knows? Maybe he don't. Now for something completely different. I'm pathetic. Do you want to get those? Come on. Yes, I do. I mean. I have come here to chew bubblegum and scratch I drink it up! You must have thought it was white boy day. <laughs> yeah? It ain't white boy day, is it? Oh man, it ain't white boy day.